Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to FT Election Countdown, your regular update on the UK's impending general election from the Financial Times. I'm George Parker. In this final mini-episode before polling day, we'll be discussing Boris Johnson's torrid 24 hours on the campaign trail, whether the NHS can destabilise his campaign. And we'll be looking at the state of play for Labour, how the campaign's going in its famous red wall seats of the Midlands and the North, and why the Liberal Democrats are looking so miserable. I'm joined today by Sebastian Payne, who's out on the campaign trail with the Prime Minister, and political correspondent Laura Hughes. Thank you all for joining. If you find yourself liking this episode of FT Election Countdown, do subscribe through the usual channels. And we also appreciate positive reviews. So, Seb, we'll start off with the picture of this four-year-old boy, Jack, who was lying on a floor in a Leeds hospital on a pile of coats. It became a huge event in the election, possibly the first big sort of unscripted moment that went wrong for Boris Johnson in this campaign. How did he handle it and how much damage do you think it's going to cause him? I think Boris Johnson handled it really badly, actually, because he was confronted by the image in a visit to the northeast of England on Monday. An ITV reporter handed him the phone with the image and asked Mr Johnson how he felt looking at this image. And as we often see with the Prime Minister, he's not so good in those unscripted moments where things occur that are not his control or to his planning. And he eventually grabbed the phone off this report and put it in his pocket while the whole thing was being filmed and his instincts eventually kicked in and he realised this was a very bad idea and he handed the phone back and said he was very sorry. But you're right, George, it did feel like the first moment in the campaign where Boris Johnson was really not doing well and he was floundering because he's been so on message. There's been very few jokes, very few unscripted remarks. Everything has been to that core Conservative Party message of get Brexit done, etc. Following that, Matt Hancock, the health secretary, was then dispatched to the hospital in Leeds to try and calm the situation down. And there was something of a fracas around the hospital, but then also a row about fake news when Tory aides briefed that someone had been punched at the hospital and it turned out that didn't happen. So you put that whole thing together and it was probably Mr Johnson's worst day on the campaign. And coming at the beginning of election week, when people are finally tuning into this thing, the timing was awful for him. Yes, and it combined the two things that have been dogging him throughout the campaign. First of all, the NHS, and the second thing, questions about his character, I guess. And that row dominated the news cycle for about 24 hours. And then the next day, we had Labour in the crosshairs, really, with Jonathan Ashworth, the shadow health secretary, a leaked conversation he had with a friend, or a former friend, I suspect he is now, a conservative activist, in which John Ashworth basically said that Jeremy Corbyn's performance was awful. He was costing the party loads of votes in their northern heartlands, implying almost that he was a security risk. Laura Hughes, you were in a TV studio, BBC's Politics Live, with Jonathan Ashworth. How did he handle that? Well, it was actually 
quite impressive that he came on the show. He could have pulled the interview and disappeared, but he came on and he confronted it, describing himself as a plonker. He didn't shy away from it. I mean, what an extraordinary thing to happen. It was a private conversation and it was quite hard for him to wriggle out of what he said, but he did try. So initially he said it was just banter. And then he tried to claim he'd been actually too clever for his own good because he was out there trying to psych out his opponents by assuring them that their message was working and that they could take the foot off the pedal because it was working. It was like hogwash, wasn't it? It just fell apart because the truth is what he said is what a lot of Labour candidates are admitting privately. What he said in that conversation doesn't really come as a surprise. We know that there are lots of Labour voters out there who do perceive Jeremy Corbyn and his party to have blocked Brexit in the last parliament. We know that Jeremy Corbyn isn't particularly popular. Some people are very unsure about him. And this national security thing, this is a conversation that's been happening for a long time. So that's why it was really hard for him to wriggle out of it. If he says something ridiculous that really did sound like a joke, maybe. The reason this is so damaging is it's sort of what we know already. He's just been caught in the act. And this campaign, Seb, has been run on pretty tight lines. It's lacked the sort of moments of drama. And yet, as we got into the final stages, we had this episode with the Leeds Hospital and then Jonathan Ashworth. Which of those two episodes do you think is the more damaging to the respective party leaders? I think it's probably the Jonathan Ashworth episode simply because he is Labour's health spokesperson and Labour has been planning in the last days of the campaign focused entirely on the National Health Service and there's this private eye parody which counts all the times Labour have said there's 24 hours to save the NHS, 12 hours, 72 hours, you name it. They do this in every campaign because it's a good vote motivator. Labour voters care deeply about the National Health Service and if they can create this sense if you don't vote for Labour, it's good to be in trouble, then that's great. And it can help turn out their vote and try and win over some voters who might be toying with backing the Tories. But now their main health spokesperson, the guy who's been leading the campaign, the messaging and interviews and tweets on this, is now sort of persona non grata. You know, Boris Johnson did try to get his campaign back on track with some of his colourful, typical stunts. I'm coming at the JCB factory in Stafford in the West Midlands. This is a target seat that the Tories held but need to work hard to hold on to. And Mr Johnson has just driven a JCB through a styrofoam wall that said gridlock. And he's about to address the staff at this factory. This is the kind of thing he's going to be doing between now and polling. Colourful picture images that will be on the news bulletins and on newspaper front pages that make him look like this sort of lovable rogue. That's the character that the Conservative Party wants to get through as opposed to the uncaring Tory that we saw on Monday because that really went against what they want the public to think of Boris Johnson. So we can expect lots of warm, cuddly things and an effort to stay away from any difficult policy areas or any difficult questions about the NHS either. Thanks, Seb. Laura, do you agree with that? Do you think that the Jonathan Ashworth thing was the more damaging? I think the Boris Johnson incident is more damaging because you have a lot of undecided voters who will just be engaging with the campaign and they will see a prime minister who appears to show a lack of empathy, humanity. It's bizarre. Like I said, I think the Jonathan Ashworth comments are embarrassing, but he didn't say anything that hasn't already actually been reported in anonymous briefing form. It's bad, but I think in terms of clips going viral, this really cutting through to people, undecided voters 
women who haven't made up their minds, that image of the prime minister refusing to look at the image of the young boy of taking the phone and sticking it in his pocket, I think that will cut through more. Okay, well, we'll find out soon enough. Now, Seb, you've been touring the northern battlegrounds of this general election, the so-called red wall seats. What's the mood up there and how confident are the Conservatives that they can break through the wall? The mood, I'd say, is decent. These candidates are trying not to get too excited or ahead of themselves because they're aware that this is exactly what happened in 2017 when we were writing and reporting very similar pieces about how Brexit was upending the traditional Labour vote and that Jeremy Corbyn was very unpopular. And when it came to polling day itself, none of those things proved particularly true. And a lot of those seats didn't turn Conservative and Labour slid back in, often with some very slight majorities. The sense there, I'd say, is that one thing I found remarkable is talking to voters who I visited a couple of weeks ago is how little they've noticed of the election campaign, that lots of voters couldn't name a single policy from either party's manifesto. They couldn't name a single campaign event that had happened. The only thing that just about came through was Jeremy Corbyn's pledge on the waspy women. And of course, everybody was talking about getting Brexit done and oven ready deal. So the one thing that does seem to have cut through is the Tories Brexit message. And for that reason, the Tory candidates seem relatively upbeat, I'd say, still being quite cautious about it. Whereas Labour is hoping that this kind of final push on the NHS and public services in an area that is heavily dependent on them can bring it home. But out of the four seats that I went to, at least two of them will go Conservative and the other two, it's going to depend on the national picture. And to Laura's point before, if that Boris Johnson does cut through, which I could totally see that happening, then that could be damaging. And a lot of Labour voters will say, you know, I can't hold my nose and vote Tory. I am Labour. I do believe in its policies. Now, of course, we're talking about very fine margins here between the possibility of a Conservative landslide victory and possibility of hung Parliament. And It's going to be one of the most interesting election nights I think we will have covered. But one thing that seems quite likely, at least, Laura, is that the Lib Dems aren't going to do very well. And you see them around the place looking quite miserable. What's gone wrong for the Lib Dems? The Lib Dems aren't being clear on what voters will actually get from them if they do deprive the Tories or Labour of a majority. They keep saying they'll vote for a second referendum. But in order for a government to deliver a second referendum, that takes six months. And in that period, you would have to get a Queen's speech through that sets out the government's legislative agenda and also a finance bill. And the Lib Dems can't say how they would vote in those circumstances. So how do you get a government up and running and then able to deliver a second referendum? That's a bit confusing for voters. And I think they would quite like it if there was a different Labour leader after this election, if Jeremy Corbyn does really badly. That could really change things for them. But again, they they won't go quite as far as saying that. They always do better, don't they, when there's a moderate Labour leader like Tony Blair, for example, which doesn't scare soft Tory voters. Exactly. And we've discussed this many times. Their Revoke Article 50 pledge has not cut through. It's alienated people that were looking for a centre ground and actually see that position as being a bit extreme and undemocratic. They don't think it's fair to just cancel Brexit without recourse to a second referendum. So we know that that hasn't cut through. And we also know that Jo Swinson hasn't gone down too well. The more people have seen her, polling has shown, the less she is liked. It's pretty extraordinary, actually, that Jo Swinson hasn't used all the defectors from the Labour and Tory parties over the last few months. It's strange she hasn't put them at the front and centre of her campaign. Team Jo. Yeah, it's all been about her. It's all been presidential. The Lib Dems say... They they always run campaigns like that. But actually, I think they could have made more of 
Sarah Wollaston, Luciana Berger, Chikara Muna, Sam Gima, who have started to appear at the end, but really should have been there because they do represent a new politics, a new way, a new potential centre ground. Look what Brexit has done. It's shaken things up and people have fallen all over the place and they've all fallen in her party. So why hasn't she made that point? She's just gone a little bit too extreme. And in all these debates, she's the one appearing and she's not putting anyone else from her party Mm. into those TV debates. And I think that might have been a mistake because I think Luciana Berger could go down really well. Chikamuna might, particularly with younger voters and people looking for someone a bit different. So there are a myriad of reasons of why they're not cutting through. And also there are soft Tories who don't like Brexit but are more scared of Jeremy Corbyn and they are scared that if they vote Lib Dem, they'll get Labour and that's why they might end up voting Tory at the very end. Laura, do you think there is a case that some Labour voters might look at these polls suggesting Boris Johnson's going to walk it and that Brexit's going to happen anyway? and have second thoughts about putting their X in a Conservative box. This is the big fear for the Conservative Party, that those Labour voters and traditional Labour members that have been flirting with the idea of voting for Boris Johnson because they are sick of the impasse in Parliament and they want Brexit done, have said they're going to vote Boris Johnson, but they will see the massive poll lead. And when they actually get into the ballot box, they will feel the ghosts of their families gone by who voted Labour. And when it comes down to it, they might really struggle to tick that Conservative box when it's actually there and it says Conservative and it doesn't just say Boris Johnson. And the fear for the Tories, as I said, is major polling lead means that you can maybe risk it, stick to your principles. You don't feel the guilt of having broken with your family tradition and your own personal values to vote Tory for this one time. Equally, though, it could also damage them if there are Liberal Democrats out there who are nervous of Jeremy Corbyn. But again, if they think Boris Johnson's got his foot in the door, they might actually take a bit of a risk and a punt so that they can vote with their values and vote for Joe Swinson's party. Now, Seb, finally, we're speaking ahead of the publication of the YouGov MRP poll, this mega poll which everyone gets very interested in because it was quite accurate, the methodology in the 2017 election. Now, assuming that it gives the Conservative Party its standard big lead and points towards a Boris Johnson majority, how does that play into the dynamics of the last 48 hours of the campaign and the way people might vote, do you think? I absolutely agree with Laura. I think the other impact the MRP could have is on turnout for Labour voters. If they think the Tories are going to win and Boris Johnson is going to be Prime Minister, instead of flipping over, they might just stay at home because, you know, the weather is going to be pretty dire on polling day this Thursday, particularly in those northern marginal seats where it's going to be sleet and wet and ice and even snow in some parts. So I think the mental impact will be quite big. And that's something that I pick up the Tories are very concerned about, that I'm currently on the campaign trail with. Boris Johnson's team and they're all very nervous for this MRP survey coming out because when the last one came out a couple of weeks ago it did change the dynamic because it was like oh well the Tories are going to win and Labour did seem to lose a bit of momentum at that point and the same thing could happen again but I think what it will confirm again is that this election is going to be very complicated in the picture with the Tories doing better than expected in Scotland yet making some gains in Wales yet potentially losing some seats in the South, Liberal Democrats, and picking up other seats on the North. So when we get to Thursday night, trying to unpick how this new electoral map looks, I think it's going to be quite complicated. But on the polls generally, the Tories are 10 points ahead, according to the FT's poll tracker. That's roughly where they've been. And even with the complicated dynamics, if you copy that onto election day, then that does mean a pretty comfortable working majority for Boris Johnson and a very disappointing night for Labour and the Lib Dems. And that's it for this week's episode. Thank you to Laura and Seb for joining us. 
If you enjoyed what you've heard and you'd like to see more FT journalism, especially about the election, then do take a look at our latest subscription offers, which you can find at ft.com forward slash offer. FT Election Countdown was presented by me, George Parker, and produced by Anna Dedder. Until next time, thanks for listening. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.